My name is Linda Rogers, and this is Investing Forward. Welcome to season two of the Investing Forward podcast. I'm your host, Linda Rogers, coming to you from Atsugi, Japan. We're kicking off this season with the former founder of an impact investment, Laura Kimes. I connected with Laura a couple of years ago, and we had plans to get coffee in San Diego, but COVID got in the way, of course. We still haven't had a chance to meet in person, but we've stayed in touch via email and LinkedIn, and I'm excited to have her on the podcast. Laura co-founded Green Print Partners, a green infrastructure delivery partner that helps cities achieve high-impact, community-driven stormwater solutions at scale. There's stories about a few projects on their website, and there's one in Peoria, Illinois called The Well Farm that Laura will touch on in her interview. Peoria has a combined sewer system, and it regularly overflows, sending polluted stormwater and untreated sewage into the Illinois River. Green Print, in coordination with the community, identified opportunities to develop green infrastructure solutions, which included 100 raised garden beds, flowering bioswales, and more. Laura has since left Green Print Partners and is moving on to other exciting projects in the impact investing space, so I asked her to share her story with us. Let's take a listen. Thank you for joining me. Please introduce yourself. Great. Yeah. So my name is Laura Kimes, and I'm a former founder of a company called Greenprint Partners, which is a B Corp uh, social enterprise. Um, we uh, fundraised from many different impact investors, spanning from foundations with PRI to family offices to uh, individual angels. Um, and prior to that, I spent about 10 years working um, with electric and gas utilities in the clean tech space. Um, a lot of that work was around regulatory policy and um, what type of policy it took to make new markets for an emer- at the time emerging industry of renewables and energy efficiency. Um, and right now I'm um, building the ESG program for a private equity backed clean tech company and doing some special projects on the side. So um, I'm sure we'll get to talk more about that as we dive in. Great. You're busy. Yeah. Um, so what led you to become interested in impact investing? When, okay, so I um, think the story probably goes back to when I was a student at Kellogg. Um, I actually started my program there thinking I was going to um, work with nonprofits or be in nonprofit management directly myself. Um, but I had the good fortune of taking this course in impact investing that was taught by um, uh, Dave Chen, who's a founder of a firm called Equilibrium Capital. Um, and Dave had this great uh, format to his course where he brought in all sorts of outside speakers, kind of like a, a course podcast, <laughs> I guess. And um I heard this executive director of a, it was a nonprofit, um, talk about how he had taken this linear approach to fundraising his whole career where he would fundraise and then go out and plant an acre of trees and fundraise again and then do it again. And it was just so linear. And 
then he took a step back and um, caught the impact investing bug himself. Um, and from there, um, built a credit market and attracted impact investors who then um, helped him scale this um, program that allowed him to really amp up his efforts. Um, and that that intrigued me so much because that was the space that I had been uh, intending to go into. And also in that course, I met two friends who later became my co-founders and we developed the idea of this um, uh, fund that would tackle the problem of, of blighted land and the so-called rust belt in the U.S., um, and we applied for and won the um, Morgan Stanley Sustainable Investing Challenge in 2014 with that idea. And then, you know, had to, <laughs> once we decided that we were going to pursue that as a company, then had to kind of make that work. And several iterations later, um, rebranded the company to something called Greenprint Partners. Um, and the company today is a project developer of green stormwater infrastructure in at-risk communities. So a lot of similarities to that initial vision, but um, also uh, some, some practical changes that we had to make. What are you most proud of when reflecting back on your work at Green Print Partners? Yeah, a um, couple of things. One... Um, from the very beginning, we've really made a, a strong commitment and did bake mission into mission and impact into our DNA. Um, I know that's easy to say, but it, it's it was fascinating being there on the ground and and seeing what actually the decision points were to operationalize that. Um, and I'm really proud of us for, you know, for doing that. And um, we got B Corp certified early on and are still um, certified and um, also certified as a woman-owned business. Um, and I think related to all that, um, I led this retreat where we built our theory of change um, a few years in. We sort of did all of the work to finalize and refine it once we got our, our fit with our market. Um, and then from that theory of change built out a bunch of, and we worked with our investors at the time to build out um, what our KPIs should be. And the, there was this interesting balance between, um, you know, aspiration and practicality. And um, again, I really proud of us for, um, you know, walking the talk in that regard. Um, so I think that's, that really comes to the top for me. We also just, just to paint a picture of the type of projects that we work on, um, one of the coolest actual installations of green infrastructure that we built um, was uh, a project called the Well Farm in, at Forest Field that was in Peoria, Illinois. Um, and we installed um, uh, basically trees um, and an urban farm that manage stormwater where it falls, which keeps water out of the stormwater system for the city, meaning there was less sewage overflow back into their water, into the river, um, which has all sorts of uh, environmental 
benefit, of course, and environmental justice benefit for the people of the community. And um, it was just a really gratifying project too, because we worked with all sorts of local community organizations and um, yeah, it was really fun to work on. Had you ever gotten around to doing an impact report? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was a big part of uh, something that we did both quarterly and annually. Um, and we reported out on these KPIs that ultimately rolled up to support the, the vision and the theory of change that we had as an organization. The theory of change is something that I wasn't familiar with um, until we worked with, we got investment from the Kresge Foundation and um, my co-founder from the nonprofit sector sort of shared with us the background that that theory of change is really, you know, typical to the nonprofit sector. Um, I don't know of many businesses that have one, um, but it had, it was so helpful in kind of becoming our North star and yeah, the theory of change or the, uh, excuse me, the annual impact report, um, is basically an impact report that reports out on our progress to that, that theory of change that, that vision. What was the hardest lesson you learned with regards to starting and exiting an impact investment? Yeah. Um, I think one of the, the, there's sort of two things that come to mind with that. One is that, um, this is something that I appreciate so much more now that I am able to, to look back at it, um, as I'm, you know, no longer involved in the day to day. Um, but I think I realized the importance of having investor partners um, and how just incredibly important to, you know, implementing our work and our mission and our strategy and vision and all of that. Um, and to really kind of grow alongside each other as this industry. For us, it's a new in green infrastructure, is, at least green stormwater infrastructure is um, kind of niche <laughs> to say the least. So um, having investors that understand that and are are willing to get into the weeds with us on that has been um, so important. Um, and then on the personal side, um, I think one of the things as I've um, I've realized as I myself have gone through the founder life cycle <laughs> recently, meaning, um, you know, I, I co-founded the company, um, was involved in the day-to-day -day for seven years, basically seven years. Um, and then now for the last year have been um, off doing uh, other new things. Um, one thing that I realized is that that year in that transition time, it's it's both a very typical normal experience that a lot of founders go through in figuring out what's next. And there's just a, a big personal journey that comes with that um, and a lot of personal growth that comes with that. Um, but it's also something that there's not a lot of resources for, um, not a lot of content or um, even just storytelling. There's uh, yeah, it's sort of a black box. And so, yeah, that's something that I have been paying attention to. And, um, I have some ideas about that. Um, yeah, I hope I can tell you about that in a bit. Good. So what projects are you working on now? 
Oh, yes. Okay. So I'll maybe segue into uh, my my teaser there. Um, so <laughs> one thing is that um, I'm thinking about uh, a project, a writing project on my blog uh, that highlights some of the stories of former founders. Um, and I'm kind of gathering those stories now, maybe anonymous um, to put on the blog and um, to really, with the idea of of sharing the stories of this journey to help women, um, people of color, LGBTQ, non-traditional founders who might otherwise not have the network, the support network at every stage of their journey. Um, and ideally that can enable them to be repeat founders too and not sort of uh, walk away and and on to the next thing. Um, so that's that's a, a fun creative project. Um, but kind of my my day-to-day main role that I'm working on now is building out an ESG program for a PE-backed clean tech company, um, looking at things like materiality assessments, strategic planning around ESG, um, governance structure, impact measurement, and um, also, I hope that I'll be able to put together the first um, annual impact report for the company. Um, and I think it's also really interesting to be doing this with a company similar to Greenprint, where because it's a clean tech company, they're sort of both part of the solution, but also there's always there's always work to be done. And um yeah, I just, there's so many interesting questions that come up around that and um, conversations with the team and, and all the stakeholders. So I'm finding that really exciting too. Um, and then I guess the last thing is just building out my knowledge as an impact investor myself, um, aspiring impact investor, um, and thinking of um, gaps in my knowledge and identifying them and and finding ways to to learn more and, and talk more to people. That's great. And I'm wondering with the clean tech company, what led them to reach out to you? Did they have, do they have leaders that just understand the importance of building an ESG framework? Do they have investors that are pressuring them to be more transparent and organized with their ESG data? Yeah, well, I think it's, the answer is, um, both perhaps I, this is somebody that, um, I've worked with before. I, I know well, and yeah, the investors, um, because of, uh, I I'm sure you know, nobody said this directly, but I imagine that because of the upcoming anticipated SEC ruling around ESG disclosure, um, first for climate and perhaps later for others, other topics. Um, and then also what's happening in Europe. I think that there's a lot of interest in taking stock of what portfolios look like um, and who better to start with than the clean tech company <laughs> in the portfolio or, or any company that, um, you know, it's contributing in that way. So I think that's part of it. And um, yeah, I think. I think there's also uh, 
a lot of, this is probably typical for most, you know, companies, I would say in this, in the clean tech space, there's like a lot of good things happening, but maybe there hasn't been the ESG wrapper brought around all of those topics and sort of looked at in an organized way and prioritize, you know, all of these efforts, maybe not prioritized in an organized way. So for example, like um, efforts around diversity and inclusion may be happening in a silo to board recruitment and, you know, why not bring those together? Just, you know, single example. Good. So what are you most excited about at the moment in the world of impact investing? Yeah, um, I think that the this upcoming SEC will make or ruling will be the thing that um, pushes impact investing broadly more into the mainstream. I know that there's been a lot happening already, and um, but I think that there's I can see all of the movement happening behind the scenes, waiting for that. Um, and it is very exciting to me um, to even imagine and anticipate what will happen when it's actually out. <laughs> um, so yeah, that that to me is fascinating to watch. And I think the other thing too is just um, coming from the the startup fundraising founder side of things, and now um, kind of regaining my. Uh, attention to the the impact investor side of things, just how much attention there is to inclusion um, is also really, really exciting. Good. So what's your favorite impact investing resource? So by that, I mean, it could be a blog, a book, a podcast, really anything that is either your must read, must listen. I would love to hear that. Yeah. Okay. So uh, impact alpha for me is, you know, daily go-to and, um, yeah, find that really helpful. Um, there's another, I guess I'll call it a blog. It's called climate tech VC. And for all things related to climate, I find that to be so, so helpful. And also it's also, it's just fun to read, um, and very fresh, um, podcast. I've been from the ESG angle. I've been really loving, um, there's a, I think it's called even ESG. It's by S&P Global um, and it's a podcast. Um, and I, yeah, that's been really great. Um, and, oh, yeah, I guess the last thing, this isn't, you didn't list this off, but um, <laughs> I'll be flexible maybe here. It's um, there's a course on Coursera that I've found helpful of all places. And it's um, put out by Duke and um, the I3 case group at Duke. And um, it's about impact investing and um, particularly measurement and management in impact investing. Um, and they have so many really good resources and it's all tied in through the UN Sustainable Development Goal um, reporting, but it could be applied for any reporting framework. And anyway, I learned a ton just by listening into that. I, I found that to be super helpful too. Wonderful. I love hearing all of these and I am going to check out that course. Is there anything else that you want to share before I let you go? Um, 
No, I'm just um, really grateful to be chatting today and um, excited to hear, you know, stay tuned and hear more other people featured on the podcast. And what's the best way for people to stay in touch with you? Yeah. um, So I've been blogging. um, If that founder project sounds interesting, or if you people want to hear more about the um, personal journey of a former founder, (laughs) um, you can go to laurakimes.com and I have um, a link to my blog there um, or on LinkedIn. I'm Laura Brenner Kimes uh, or Twitter is at Laura Kimes. And my email is lkimes at gmail.com. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. The SEC ruling Laura mentioned a couple times is the Securities and Exchange Commission's proposed climate change disclosure rule, which is not out yet, but it is expected soon, and it's expected to require public companies to disclose data to investors about emissions and how they're managing their climate risks. There are voluntary frameworks in place, such as the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosures, or TCFD, but this proposed ruling would make certain climate information mandatory to report, the goal being to provide investors with enough data in a consistently organized framework to be able to accurately assess and manage risk in their portfolio. Links to Laura's favorite impact investing podcast blog and the course that she mentioned will be listed on the investingforwardpodcast.com website. Thank you for joining me. See you next time. My name is Linda Rogers. You were listening to Investing Forward. If you liked what you heard, leave us a rating, subscribe, and stay tuned for next time. Linda Rogers is the owner of Planning Within Reach, a registered investment advisor. Planning Within Reach produces the podcast and makes it available on its website and through other distribution channels. Linda Rogers and any guests on the podcast are providing their own views and opinions and are not necessarily the views and opinions of Planning Within Reach. Nothing on the podcast should be construed as a solicitation or offer or recommendation to buy or sell any security. Investment advisory services are only provided to investors who become Planning Within Reach clients pursuant to a written investment management agreement. Clients of Planning Within Reach may hold positions in securities discussed in this podcast. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk and may lose money. The Investing Forward podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied on for any investment decisions. Consult with a financial advisor, accountant, attorney, or conduct your own due diligence.